0: Well, good morning Greenwich and welcome to the Tuesday, May 18th edition of the Basement Academy. I hope that you will find these few minutes together worthwhile and give you something to think about uh, and some encouragement, uh, some strength, uh, faith, hope, and love being built here in the gymnasium of the soul. And so Psalm 138, uh, today's psalm, love this one, love, love, love it the Psalm of David. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes with your right hand. You save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Amen. Love the language of praise. Um, Praise you for your love and faithfulness. You've exalted above all things your name and your word. Is there anything higher and more important than God's name, God's presence, God's word, and so the wise person gives themselves uh, to that a pursuit of God's name and presence and word. Years ago, <laughs> I offered this prayer back, and this would have probably been like 92 or 93 when I was beginning the prayer of the Psalms and beginning a pastoral ministry, and I said, God, make me bold and stout-hearted, and I Reflecting this morning, uh, before recording here, when I was saying my prayers, how that unfolds over time. God heard the prayer in the moment, but it's challenges and difficulties and trials and ups and downs that were the boldness and the, I love that word stout-heartedness, to be stout-hearted. He looks upon the lowly, the proud he knows from afar, Was going through some of my mother's personal belongings and have come across um, her father's, um, some of her father's items. And looking at his writing and the spelling wasn't always the best and understanding that he did not even achieve a high school education. And yet a, a life of faithfulness uh, in marriage, a life in faithfulness uh, to God and to his church and to his community. And uh, his only daughter became my uh, mother. <laughs> and uh, so just thinking God's blessing upon the lowly uh, granddaddy as, as we knew him. Uh, and then this last uh, phrase, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. This story—it's <clears throat> uh, so interesting—as we've been reflecting on my mother's life, looking backwards now, as as her story is complete, uh, we've we've had some great afterglow for these last couple of days. Uh, the, all the family's out now; they 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 headed home. Uh, rest of the family headed home yesterday. But some of the afterglow conversation is: her story was always going to be like this. <laughs> It was going to always end in kind of a storybook manner. Um, it was charmed in so many ways. She had some Forrest Gump quality. She would just show up in places and meet dignitaries. We've got pictures with Nancy Reagan and Betty Ford and uh, uh, President Bush, um, Newt Gingrich, which was a fun one. We dug, dug that up. Um, she met uh, athletes, she met movie stars, she hobnobbed with some very wealthy people uh, along the way, but you never would have known it, would, would never know it from the way in which she carried herself. And just thinking the Lord fulfilled his purpose for her life through its many twists and turns. And we can have confidence he's doing that for us. I mean, we have this promise in scripture, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And so let's just get about the day, let's live, let's not be anxious about tomorrow, today has enough trouble of its own, let's seek first the kingdom of God, let's um, exalt above all things his name and his word, let's give ourselves in, in love of God and love of neighbor, and we'll just trust that the paths will open, the doors will close or open, and we'll keep moving, and at the end of the story, we will see that the Lord will have fulfilled his purpose for our lives. I'm taking great comfort in that. Okay, let's go back to our reading of Ecclesiastes uh, today, chapter 7, and offer some reflections. I'm kind of enjoying this, to be honest with you. <laughs> I believe this is going to turn into uh, some Sunday morning messages. Chapter seven, we reflected on this uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in our reflections or notes from the house of mourning. Chapter seven, a good name is better than fine perfume and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting for death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools, This, too, is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? for it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider, God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, a righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise why destroy yourself do not be over wicked and do not be a fool why die before your time it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other the man who fears god will avoid all extremes wisdom makes one wise man makes wisdom makes one wise man more powerful than 10 rulers in a city There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise. But this was beyond me. Whatever wisdom may be, it is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate, and to search out wisdom in the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Look, says the teacher, this is what I have discovered. Adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things, while I was still searching but not finding, I found one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. This only have I found. God made mankind upright, but men have gone in search of many schemes. Chapter 7. Not so sure I like the way that one ends, huh? (laughs) So, we reflected, or I reflected, some uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was, some notes from the house of mourning uh, from these opening verses of chapter 7. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Something about sorrow, something about grief, something about loss that grounds us and brings forth wisdom. Now, I would say, as I'm living in that house of mourning now for a few weeks, um, it. It's not immediate, uh, it, it's not inevitable, right? Um, you have to search for it. There are these uncommon gifts, is the way I would say it, that abide in the house of mourning, but you have to kind of poke around a little bit because sometimes it's just overwhelming, the, the language we've been using uh, in our conversation. I've just been sharing, these are days of high emotion the emotion will subside Uh, the the emotion will subside everybody kind of gets back uh, into their work into their rhythms and routines Um, we in our house because we've lost a member of our household we we will continue in some ways uh, with the act of remembrance as we're just continuing to put our house back together but um, in perhaps in some analogous way in going through uh, my parents' possessions, my mother's, but but really my parents' possessions, we're finding these uncommon gifts, letters from my grandfather, uh, these b- b- grandfathers on both sides. Um, w- we have found pictures. Uh, we have found mementos that we've not seen before or never paused to consider uh, as we are now. And so perhaps uh, in some kind of analogy, the, the searching through these belongings, there are buried treasures there. There are uncommon gifts. And so it is in the time of loss in the house of mourning, the gifts of gratitude, the gifts of appreciation, the gifts of reflection, the sense, of um, the the significance and importance of the family relationships, we've always known that. But but in the house of mourning, the the importance of family, uh, and then this commitment. You know, talking about what does the family gathering and what do family uh, what's the family relationship like going forward? Because we have folks scattered uh, Midwest, uh, West Coast, East Coast. And you know, when you have a mother and a father, a patriarch and a matriarch, you know folks kind of gather uh, to, to, to be, a, be with them and now that they're gone. So so there's um, there will be adjustments that will be made, and we have to see what those adjustments are. But it does help us consider that our own days are limited. Uh, our, our days are numbered, and so how will we live them? Um, How can we carry on the legacy of of, uh, a mother and a father, uh, the the best of what they have been about and how they have lived and served and loved? How can we emulate them? So anyway, there are these uncommon gifts in the house of mourning. Um, I'm sure I'll tease some of these thoughts out more. The rest of chapter seven is very proverbial. So instead of extended paragraphs, it's a series of one-liners and two-liners. And, and so I've just highlighted a, a couple of these. If you're watching the video, you're seeing them on the whiteboard. If you're listening on the podcast, I, I have just a few uh, of the, the nuggets. <laughs> um, the end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Uh, I've thought about that for years. I always think the, I like opening day of baseball season, right? <laughs> I, I like the beginning of something. There's, there's adventure, there's wonder, there's um, opportunity, the, 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 the field lays open, uh, just, you know, all that may happen, all the possibilities lay before us. But this says the end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. And so there, there, there's some tension here. But perhaps at the end of something, <clears throat> you look back and you, you have learned. You now have experience. There is perhaps a gathered wisdom. Boy, I'm never doing that again, right? You didn't know that in advance. So, you know, the, the old saying, boy, if I had only known then what I know now, that I think is tied into the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Hmm. that we pick up experience, we, we gather and garner wisdom along the way, such that at the end of the journey, we are a different person. And perhaps there's some, some folly or, or foolhardiness at the beginning. We think we can accomplish everything. No, whatever journey we're on, whatever beginning we are making, it's a narrow path that we're going to make through this uh, this particular journey. We won't we won't be able to do everything. We'll be do we'll do some things, and so uh, patience is better than pride. So at the beginning of, of of an affair, there's a sense of I just have to I have to let it unfold. I can't go seize it. I can't make things happen. So I've I've enjoyed uh, verse eight. <clears throat> Verse 10, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wow. Pretty common. I mean, I I am certainly guilty of this. You know, I I just talk about, boy, you know, the cultural tsunami is coming. And boy, I I long for a simpler time. I I long for a time in in our own nation where where there was not all this tension and polarization, and and so nostalgia, a longing for the good old days, is so very common. But the writer of Ecclesiastes, the teacher, says, do not ask such questions. Don't say, why were the old days better than these? The old days are gone. Okay? That... So rather rather than long for the old days, why not benefit? What, what, what wisdom have we gained? What, what lessons have we learned? What, what character has formed? How can we live into this day rather than long for a, a, a previous day, a prior day? And so there's maybe a shirking of responsibilities. Uh, it's, it's natural for us to want to go back to when life was simpler, but typically it is because we we had fewer responsibilities, fewer burdens to bear, Um, at least this is what I think. And yet it is in the bearing of responsibilities, it is in the gaining of wisdom and experience, it is in aging that we come to reckon with our lives more fully. And so it's young people are not as thoughtful about God, generally speaking. Um, young people, I've got time, you know, they live with that sense of inevitability, of invincibility, and so there's kind of a recklessness sometimes that accompanies youth. And then over time, the wise person grows and matures and sets aside, you know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I set aside childish things. And so I I think there's something here. So it's natural. We we, we do pine for the good old days, but the good old days were full of trouble too. We just kind of forget about it, right? So um, I think we have some uh, 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 do not ask such questions. <laughs> so, so let's be thoughtful about that. <clears throat> uh, when times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Hmm. Most of us aspire for and long for good days. We we don't we don't we're not eager for bad days or bad times. It is, it's the teacher's understanding that God is sovereign. That on a day that we determine good might not actually be good for somebody else, right? A day that we determine bad may not be bad for somebody else. And so there, one cannot fully understand. You know, therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. It's this understanding that all of life is overseen by god god is in and over and through god is the one in whom we live and move and have our being god is the maker of heaven and earth and so this sun rises on us now the sun is setting somewhere else on on planet earth right as the sun is rising on us and so i i think this is a an invitation to a more expansive understanding of god that God isn't there just as our sugar daddy, as a benevolent grandparent who's handing out little, little goodies uh, to his grandkids so we can get what we want and that when things don't go the way we want, we kind of pout and stamp about. This is not maturity, this is not wisdom. When times are good, be happy, enjoy. When times are bad, consider God has made the one, God is doing something in this day. Perhaps in that bad day or bad time, God is deepening character, deepening uh, faith and hope and love. Uh, Perseverance, we've been talking about the parable of the sower, the seed goes deep. When when, when times are tough, that's where perseverance is formed and that's where the fruit comes. And so um, let's be thoughtful. God is in and behind uh, and around both the good and bad times. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a righteous man perishing in his righteousness, a wicked man living long in his wickedness. We see that, right? How, why, why is it that this person so full of life seems to be cut short? And then you've got these, these scoundrels and these, these knuckleheads who seem to live the long life. Why doesn't God just eliminate all the knuckleheads and let the righteous people live? Well, do not be over-righteous. <laughs> do not be over-wise. Because we would always put ourselves in the righteous category, right? <laughs> so we want the, 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 the wicked. Those are all those other people. <laughs> and I like this admonition not to be over-righteous. Don't be over-scrupulous. Don't be, don't be holier than thou. Don't, don't place yourself above others. Get the log out of your own eye before you try to get the speck out of your, your brother's eye. I think that's the, the spirit of this. And so it's this idea of let's, let us be gracious towards others. The over-righteousness is trying to be so concerned with one's own life. and it, Absolutely, seek first the kingdom of God. I shared that at the outset of our time. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, but do not be over-righteous because the tendency when we become over-righteous, we tend to look at others and we look askance, say, oh, I can't believe they said that or do this or haven't shown up to this meeting or don't read their Bible as much as I do or whatever thought process. But, but you know, it's, it's something that happens in the heart. We, we tend to look down on others because... Again, what sin is, the, the, the origin of sin is taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, taking to ourselves the prerogative to be the one who determines good and evil. Not God is the arbiter of good and evil. I become the arbiter. And, of course, I'm going to always frame my own life in terms of righteousness. What I do is right. What others do is wrong. And I think this is an admonition and perhaps an echo. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Um, love, love, love. Verse twenty-one. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. We're all we're also very sloppy with our words. Few of us are gracious all the time, uh, and 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 uh, honorable. All the time with our words. Often in private quarters, with family, uh, with with a close circle of friends, we will criticize others. We will criticize family members. We will criticize friends. We will criticize the president. We will criticize, you know, the people. Right? <laughs> Don't do it. But 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 it's it but it's it kind of comes at it in the back door. Don't pay attention to everything people say. If you hear somebody saying something about you, shrug it off because you know you do the same. We're, 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 we're often um, thoughtless in the things we say. And what what would it be like if we only spoke faithful, encouraging, strong, hopeful, blessed words to others and about others? And if someone's not there in the room, that we would be... Eager to guard their reputation in front of others, and so um, I perhaps I, I've known this verse for for a number of years. Uh, being in the ministry has its blessings and it has its burdens and challenges, and and one of the challenges is when you stand and speak in front of others week after week after week, and there's kind of a public role though not widely public but you know public in the sense of standing in front of the community week after week to preach being up in front in leadership contexts and you know being involved in decision making for the community just over time you know there are folks who say I don't know why he said this or why does he think we should do that and you know I've I've heard things over time both overhearing them and folks have been very direct. And I always appreciate that. And I welcome the feedback. I, I, I do. Um, And I, you know, I've, I've heard criticism and I think every time it's come forth, it's always been justified. It's not always easy to hear, but, but I, I, this, this particular verse, do not pay attention to every word people say. People are just thoughtless. People are careless. People sometimes get self-absorbed. And so I just, I really just don't take things personally. I I, I, I try to, I try not to, let's say it that way. And just know, you know, yeah, I get it. (laughs) But when I hear people speaking about leaders in particular, whether it's the president, and again, I don't care what side of the aisle, you know, you prefer. I say, until you have borne the mantle of leadership. You know, so I, I rarely criticize I hope this is true. I think this is true. I rarely criticize leaders because I am one and I know how difficult it is to lead in a community. How you kind of have to be diplomatic and you have to kind of, you know, kind of spin things a little bit sometimes to to work so as not to it, it's hard. So I've I've appreciated this reminder, do not pay attention to every word people say and i just want to close by these last couple um verses were pretty pretty tough i find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains who the man who pleases god will escape her but the sinner she will ensnare he he may be contemplating like a prostitute there and again if this is solomonic solomon um I, of course, hold him responsible, not the women. I hold Solomon responsible for his uh, sexual indulgences, if you know the story. He had hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines, which are basically sexual mistresses. Um, and so it's it's it reflects the Solomonic thing, and, 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 and so there's something here um Kind of, I feel disappointed in this expression of the scriptures, but I take this as scripture. Um, I take this as truth. What it, what it exposes to me or reveals to me is the enduring tension between men and women that results from the fall. If you recall the curse, uh, the curse upon Adam by the sweat of your brow, you will harvest thorns and thistles. By the it'll be it'll be toilsome labor. And you're gonna get a harvest, but you're also gonna get thorns and thistles. To the woman, you will have pain and childbearing and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And I take that to, to mean that in a fallen world, there is gonna be an enduring tension and men are going to seek to dominate women there's a physical strength that men often have that exceeds women I'm not always sure an emotional or spiritual strength but a physical strength and sadly in our own day you know we know that sexual abuse uh, of men uh, t- uh, of women by men uh, is 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 sadly prevalent a- am i saying that the scripture here is false and and all of a sudden the whole you know house comes tumbling down no uh, it's that It's that there is this enduring tension between men and women. And I think he probably has in view the prostitute um, who for whatever reason has needed to turn to that means of making money. My takeaway is men are called to honor women. We're to treat the older women as mothers, the younger women as, as, as daughters and sisters. And so we're to honor uh uh, women in our lives uh, women we know women we don't know Uh, husbands are called to lay down their lives for their wives as christ does for the church and so we have this clear guidance in scripture and i think this under the sun again this perspective is under the sun from a human perspective we see this and, and again different day a woman on her own in a, in a society, agricultural society, in a patriarchal society, would often be without means of support. And so, and so women trying to, would need to be with a man to, to be married, to be able to make a way. And it's a sad reality. And I, I suspect some of that is, is behind this. So anyway, uh, some collected wisdom in chapter seven. Let's, let's close here. Uh, we'll pick up with chapter eight tomorrow. Uh, Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of your word, even as it challenges us, as your word does in Ecclesiastes 7 today, with words such as the house of mourning is better than the house of pleasure and feasting, that the end is better than the beginning, these Poignant reminders not to pine for the old days, uh, not to be over righteous, to recognize that good and bad times uh, uh, both uh, come from you and that you are present to us in them. And these realities that people speak against us just as we speak against others, and that there is a tension uh, because of the fall between men and women. And so, Lord, deepen our understanding and our wisdom. May this portion of your word bear fruit. May we hold your truth fast and bring forth a fruit of wisdom and and humility and kindness and grace. And so we make our prayer uh, even this day in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be present to you this day and forevermore. Amen.